0: Horses are at the gate. And they're off! Welcome to Winning Ponies. With the weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Inglehart, racing's regular guy.
1: All right, everyone. How are you? And I sincerely mean that. Uh... These are very trying times, what we're going through. I don't have to tell you that. Um, I barely watch television unless I flip it over to uh, Thoroughbred Racing or actually I was watching a uh, Swedish harness racing the other day and, uh, or uh, turning on the old TV shows and watching a little uh, Andy Griffith or Perry Mason or the twilight zone. Cause I, I, I just got to get out of this twilight zone we're living in. I do take in about a half an hour of, you know, national news every day. Do like to watch the local weather, but that's about it. I just, I can't live in in a world of you know negativity. I do find the information good, but just having to drill down my throat by the Mayor, the Governor, the President, it's tough. And I live in a tri-state area, so i get I get the Governors of three different states coming on my radio at different times. So uh, anyhow, I'm not sure what you're doing to cope um I, I know uh i was talking to our, our first guest whom i'll introduce here in a little bit and he was saying for the first time in his life he made a bet at Foner park because <laughs> the other day i turned it on i think it was tuesday and the only two thoroughbred tracks that were running were will rogers and fawner park and i did see uh, uh Le- leona Uh, uh, Gonzalez and Ty Kennedy who I believe are right at the fairgrounds have made their way up to Will Rogers Downs I mean you've got to go where the saddles are and uh, it's very interesting uh, you know what we're doing in this day and age and certainly boy the impact that it is going to have on our sport none of us have a crystal ball we just don't know but we do know that is definitely, as much as it's impacting the economy worldwide, certainly we're most concerned about the United States, um, we're seeing so many uh gaming outlets that have generated purse money for North American tracks that have closed. Uh, We're talking about Oakland Park, Delaware Park, Indiana Grand, Prairie Meadows, uh, uh, Maryland, all the Ohio tracks, all the Oklahoma tracks, Louisiana tracks, all three Pennsylvania tracks, Colonial Downs, and both West Virginia tracks. Um, And you think about how that affects not just us, because we don't have product, but the horsemen and the vets and the jockeys and the track maintenance workers and the people employed by uh, the racinos. Uh, The the, the trickle down on our sport is just going to be an amazing blow for a while. But this is America, goddammit, and we're going to survive. So we're going to make it. And I'm going to bring two Well, excellent race callers, but these guys are much, much more than that. They're statesmen of the sport. Uh, They're students of the game and the history of racing. The first one is a name you know very, very well because of his signature. And down the stretch they come. That's right. We got Dave Johnson on with us. Now, Dave, you can hear just about every day. On Sirius Radio, he does a show with Bill Finley, and it was a three-hour show. But I think with the lack of a lot of racing and content, they've scaled it back to an hour now. I'm sure with uh, both uh, Bill and Dave, it's a, it's a packed hour of information. Um, but you know, you can only uh, play the hand you're dealt with. And uh, right now, um, there's there's less to talk about on radio. Luckily, my show's only an hour, so I got plenty to talk about, especially since we're going to pull off the races at Gulfstream, it looks like, unless the Broward County Sheriff shows up at the starting gate on Saturday. Uh, so Dave Johnson, uh, who, who's... You know, he called the Kentucky Derby from 78 to 80, and then there was a little break, and then from 82 to 2000, the Preakness Stakes and Belmont Stakes from 1982 to 2000, um, you know, uh, and he continues to call the the Spring Classics for Premier Radio Networks at Westwood One. Uh, of course, he's been on telecast with ESPN. So Dave has seen the sport from so many places. Uh, started out calling, I believe, at Fairmont Park in East St. Louis. And uh, since then, has uh, just been known as one of the main, you know, race callers and personalities. Certainly anybody that's... Uh, around the meadowlands in new jersey uh where dave called both thoroughbred and harness racing uh he uh, has been calling there for like ever and now he does special appearances as the senior track announcer but anyhow i'm not gonna read his whole resume because we're gonna have him on to talk about it and then another gentleman who's a friend of mine and uh has really made his mark in racing as an announcer, but I know he's a great student of the sport, is none other than Pete Iello, who you hear uh, daily when you listen to Gulfstream Park. Now, um, with it uh, looks like we're going to have, I'm going to go over the Gulfstream uh, races that Pete and I are going to cover. Uh, there has been rumors that the... Uh, you know, the Stronach people are kind of, you know, defying the order of Broward County, but they're saying, look, we're going to pull it off. Well, heck folks, when you look at their card, why would you not want to put this card out there for everyone, including the national, you know, coverage, uh, that the, uh, Florida Derby is going to have. So, uh, we're going to talk to we're going to talk to Dave first. Then we're going to talk to Pete, and of course, uh, we're going to try to cover four graded stakes races. We'll see if we can. Mainly, I want to get Pete's, you know, read on how he perceives what's going on in the world of racing right now after we interview Dave. And uh, but we've got the uh, the Gulfstream Park Oaks. Uh, that's going to be race 11. We have got to pick four basically here. in Tonalist shape, You can't get any better than her. She's five for five, and at Gulfstream, she's four for four. Of course, I said that about Finite last week, and she broke up my pick four. And uh, so we'll see how the Gulfstream Park Oaks lines up, because the horse that went off, uh, you know, uh, the favorite against her in the Davana Dale, Spice is Nice, who's only making her second start, um, will will be in that race, too. Uh, that's followed by the Pan American Stakes, where almost all of these horses Our closers, and in there is Zulu Alpha, uh, who won the Pegasus World Cup Turf Invitational and followed that with a win at Gulfstream's Mac DeMarta. Five starts at Gulfstream Turf. Four wins, over $800,000. So that's the 11th race. And then the 13th will be the grade three Appleton. I don't think they've got a starting gate at Gulfstream Park that can fit all these horses. I'll be looking forward to getting some information on that. I also tapped my friend uh, Ed Meyer who's currently out of a job because they closed Turfway Park. Uh, he gave us his pick four picks. And then uh, the Curlin Florida Derby. Uh, here's a horse I've been following since his second start uh, last year, Tis the Law. Loved his effort in the Kentucky Jockey Club where he had nowhere to go and almost got up. And then came back to be very impressive over the Gulfstream Park Strip at a mile to 16th. Florida Derby is a mile and an eighth. But... They're three-year-olds in this time of year. Anything can happen. So those are the races we're going to feature. And don't forget, uh, we are still going to have racing uh, here at, uh, you know, Winning Ponies. You can go to our website and not only pull down the interviews with our guests, if forever uh, you you want to hear the interviews again, or hopefully pass them along to friends of yours uh, that may, that may be missed it, but we've had some good recent winners uh, you using our easy win forms. Uh, just uh, uh, today, Uh, At Golden Gate, we we had a $1 Super that paid uh, $3,400. Yesterday was a good day in Florida. At Tampa Bay, we had a $1 Super 5 that paid $2,318. And at Gulfstream yesterday, a $1 Super High 5 that paid over $1,200. So uh, you might need some help with some of these big fields and good races over the weekend. Go to Winning Ponies and pull down the easy win forms. But really looking forward to talking to our guests. Now, here's something that broke that... And this is going to affect the races now on Saturday uh, is uh, the fact that uh, Javier Castellano test positive for coronavirus. Now, I I believe that the Stronach Group has said that uh, jockeys that have been riding at Gulfstream that leave town and come back, uh, that they uh, put out a protocol where uh, they have to take a physical. And the physical is where they discover whether or not they have a virus and they discovered that Javier uh, did have it when he came back from New York. This didn't happen on track. He wasn't on track. As far as we know, nobody's been affected. It has nothing to do with the track, uh, but he was not on the property and hopefully he'll take all the precautions and be just fine. But just a shame that such a great rider won't, get to perform. And as I already alluded to, uh, the most recent one, uh, another one bites the dust, is uh, racing suspended at Turfway Park immediately. So the last uh, four days of their meet, it did not happen. It's over. I'm not sure how this will affect uh, the projects that are going on there, tearing down the, uh, the grandstand and pulling up the track Churchill Downs does plan to move quickly with that which I'm still not sure how that's going to impact the tracks that are that are there all right, Frank Angst was, was with us from the Blood Horse last week as far as our guest handicapper, and he had a hell of a day. I know uh, from going back and forth with him on the phone uh, that he that he hit the pick three, that I missed the pick four. And uh, we'll start out with the Louisiana Derby. Frank Lake Wells Bayou, the lone speed horse in the race, got the job done from flag fall to that's all with Florent Giroux in the saddle. So uh, Wells Bayou son of looking at Lucky, keep an eye on him in in the second spot uh, but uh, it was a very impressive win was uh, New York traffic and a third breaking from the far outside. Don't give up on this horse in the hands of Billy Mott. Modernist could be seen down the road in some of the longer races. Uh, then, of course, the fairgrounds, Oaks. How could finite get beat? Go back and watch it, the replay and you'll see. Look like I wouldn't have sold my ticket for a thousand bucks at the quarter pole. The move that he was making and just all of a sudden uh, flattened out. And the winner was Bonnie South, a six-to-one shot. Laurent Giroux. what a day he had! In the second spot was Temper's Rising at nine-to-one, and then the third down on the rail another Mott trainee, Antoinette. Uh, then we had the that uh, the. the um, Mervyn and Ramon Munez Memorial Classic. The winner in there on track record time. This was my pick and it paid pretty good. That's why I was looking forward to my pick four. Factor this, I believe paid $21 in track record time. And then we closed out our handicapping with the New Orleans Classic. And the winner in here another one of Frank's picks be my standards. That's right. He's back. What was on the shelf since the Derby came back in February, easily won an optional claimer at the fairgrounds. All right. Just put 10 pounds in a five pound sack. When we come back, one of the legendary track announcers and now radio host on Sirius radio, none other than Dave Johnson. And we'll be right back. (laughs)
2: Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, VoiceAmerica.com. And they're off. What? can't make it to the track you can still get all the action with winningponies.com the home of the easy win form the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds quarters and arabian horses at most american and canadian tracks whether it be the triple crown breeders cup travers Haskell, or your daily races don't worry let
3: winningponies.com make some money for you pick bet and cheer on live racing from woodbine and mohawk park stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast.
2: All the time the number 1 internet talk station where your opinion counts. Voiceamerica.com.
0: You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host John Inglehart, racing's regular guy. The phone lines are open and are toll free. 1-866-472-5788 or send us an email at show at winningponies.com John and our guests are looking forward to hearing from you. Have any tips or comments you'd like to share? Any questions we would be happy to answer? Contact us. Now, back to the show, Winning Ponies with John Inglehart
1: alright and with me right now sometimes the term legend is is used loosely but in this case I know for sure because uh, when you look at his resume which I ran down briefly at the top of the show uh, Dave Johnson is truly one of our racing legends uh, you know started uh, and he'll correct me if I'm wrong at Fairmont Park in beautiful East St. Louis <laughs> yes. as, as a race announcer and then Uh, Since then, it's gone on to uh, being so familiar to our ears uh, with the Derby and the entire Triple Crown races. And, of course, any of you people that uh, live in the New Jersey area, Meadowlands, Thoroughbred and Harness Racing, you're used to hearing Dave's voice for so many years. Dave Johnson, enough about your resume. How the heck are you? I'm fine. But, you
4: know, John, this is a real treat because we've known each other, I think, since... Was it, was it the
1: best of Ohio decades ago? I don't remember. <laughs> it was not only the best of Ohio, but I have a cherished photo of you, me, and Charles C. Canny at a crawfish boil at Louis Roussel's barn back in the Risen Star days. Oh, my God. I remember that day so well because,
4: you know, uh, Louis and, uh, and uh, Louis Roussel and Ronnie Lamarck. Offered to sell Charles and I ten percent of an unraced horse that they had just gotten, and uh, they wanted uh, they wanted uh, twenty. Let's see, twenty thousand for ten percent. They had paid two hundred thousand, so they were going to make a little bit on that. Long story short, that was Secretariat. Secretariat? No, it was Risen Risen Star.
1: Star. No, it was Secretariat. No, it was. I'm sorry, it was Risen Star. That's right. Now, did you know that uh, Louis was the underbidder on Seattle Slough. I didn't know that. I've known Louis since uh, I was a
4: kid, but yeah, you know, I grew up, my earliest memories, John, were in New Orleans. So we've never talked about this, but my dad, during the Second World War, was stationed at Camp Lachey, which is right in, in on the river, right in the New Orleans area. And uh, so I was about four or five years old. I'm 78. I was born in 41. So I remember getting my vaccination, John. It was the biggest needle that I've ever seen in my life, or at least <laughs> I remember it
1: that way. <laughs> remember, they left a the big old scar on your uh, on your arm. You know, I still got one. It's the size of a marble. But <laughs> <I start laughs> uh, Yeah. So, yeah, we're from the same era, Dave. But, yeah, those were good times. I, I'm sure you and Charles Lee were down there covering the Louisiana Derby that year. I don't know yeah. if Jim's Orbit won it or I don't have my racing manual in front of me. But they, they were just they were super great times with the old grandstand was there. And the whole I mean, that's when racing was racing. I mean, half the guys had some odd nickname like Red Eye Eddie or, you know, Black, eight Tom. black, black <laughs> All the Oh, the Black Cat. Well, my <laughs> job at the time was to replace the black cat. Now, oh can you imagine I didn't a, guy, know that. <laughs> yeah, a guy from upstate New York replacing a legend like Black Cat Lacombe? Well, it didn't go over well, and they never stopped calling me the Yank. I mean, I, I never fought <laughs> for the Confederate Army, Dave, but they called me the Yank. All right, let, let's no, yank wait you, wait a minute. Back. i got to tell you one, one
4: story about the uh, black cat. You know, after he died— um, one of the, his requests was that he be driven, his hearse be driven around the one time around the uh, fairgrounds uh, oval, yes. and brought to the Winner's circle, and that and that was done uh, before he was put in the ground. Isn't that a great story? Black oh, it was McCall. great.
1: Yeah, it was fantastic. Uh, I, I think Bob Fortas, uh, who did, just passed last year, uh, told me about that. He said it was just so cool that you know, yeah. they, here here's this funeral procession. It's like, where are they going down Chantilly Boulevard? And all of a sudden, <laughs> they pull into the fairgrounds. It was great. Yeah. Well, yeah. just capitalize real quick because I always like when I'm talking to guys like you. The early days. How did you even land in the in the press box at Fairmont Park? Uh, well, it, I was in the announcers'
4: booth uh, there. I didn't even go to the press box that first day. It's like a script for a B movie, John. I was at the. It was actually at Cahokia Downs when I called my first race there, uh, right across the river from St. Louis, and uh, and Cahokia Downs. Was open and it was a real hot night. And uh, the announcer who was there, Todd Creed, was his name. He was a terrific guy. And he became ill, and uh, his son decided to take over for the second race. So uh, during the second race, uh, Todd's son Mike uh, called the called the race, and he couldn't decide. Even with two spotters, the bugle player and the engineer, who the hell was um, uh, in in front? It was something like, (laughs) and they're off, and it's Blue Boy in front. And another voice said, no, that's not Blue Boy. And uh, and another voice said, I think it's the five. Well, they they, they, uh, battled each other for six furlongs. They got to the finish line, and I said to the general manager, who I knew, it was uh, an Ethel Merman-type woman who was the GM there, and I said, listen, I've got a crazy memory. I can memorize the 10 points of the Yalta Agreement. I'm a history major, so let me call the races. And she said,
1: you're next. (laughs) That's how it (laughs) happened. (laughs) you know it's great because i love listening to different people's introduction whether it be at a fair circuit or a happenstance moment like that it's just fantastic well you know again i've already mentioned all all of your 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 accolades with the 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 triple crown races on both television and radio but uh it ain't over yet tell me about your your gig on serious radio well it's uh, just a
4: joy Uh, for the past 15 plus years my good friend Bill Finley and I, we've been friends for 30 years. He and I uh, started a, a three hour live Saturday morning uh, show on Sirius XM, and it's called Down the Stretch, naturally. And. Um, it, it's a wonderful thing for get, getting people ready to get the weekend uh, off and uh, get, get it started at the racetrack. We're sponsored by Twinspires.com, which is great because people can watch the races on Twinspires. They can bet them there, and it's a natural extension, one to the other. And, John, I play the races every day, and I, I love to play And as a matter of fact. Actually, Twin Spires kept me sane. On Monday, I was going a little bit uh, cuckoo, and I ended up playing Fauner Park. And I had never <laughs> been to Fauner Park. And, uh, and it was great because I was able to uh, play, the, play the races. Not much, but, I, you know, I, I was in action all day at Fonner Park on twinspires.com. And um, and I, you know, it was a, it was a great afternoon, and it sort of reminded me a lot of uh, being in St. Louis as a fan. It was great.
1: Uh, it, it, it is amazing, and you know, it's like. At, at this point in, in time in our lives, if you're a race fan, uh, we were going through uh, a tremendous strange change with the COVID-19. And, and Dave, you don't have a crystal ball, nor does anybody else I talked about what's going to happen, but it, it, it we do know this, this is going to have quite an economic impact on our sport. We already know it is on the U.S. But, I mean, when you think of the trickle-down, number one, how it's going to hurt the tracks, but the main thing to me is how it's going to hurt the horsemen and the purses. I mean, I, I'm in a state that it only thrives because of the Racinos, and they are closed, and we oh. count— Mm -hmm. on the money coming out of it. Now, we're not giving out any purses, but there's no way that's going to offset that. And also, I I did see a story, I believe it was on the blood horse uh, just today, that you talked about uh, even some of the big tracks, the fact that People aren't at the races and we know that the tracks keep more money from on track that their handles are down. Now you got to admit it. You can bet, uh, that, uh, Foner park and will Rogers never had handles like they did the last couple days. Uh, but you know, and again, Dave, you know, this too, the backstretch workers, the vets, the trainers, assistant trainers, the exercise riders, and it just goes on and on. I mean, this is their livelihood. I, Give me, give me your read. And the people that work at the track,
4: Mike the Usher in uh, in at the fairgrounds and the people that you know, sell the hot dogs and work the liquor stands and sell the programs. I mean, they are out of work. Uh, and I'm just keeping my fingers crossed that we have some racing that continues. And then it blossoms back. I think it's going to be a while, though, John. I don't see this ending quickly. But I, you know, I'm not a great handicapper of viruses. <laughs>
1: no, no, none of us are. But um, you know, I just pray that, uh, like the depression we had back in 2008, 2009, whatever years it was, um, that it doesn't make people hesitant to continue to breed and raise horses. And you know, a lot of people right now, if they're not sure where their money is going to be or how much they got. Are they going to back off an investment, maybe not breed a mare this year? Um, I, I just pray that that doesn't happen because then this impact is going to happen three years down the road. Yeah,
4: it's a, it's a trickle down thing too because you're, you're talking about breeding million dollar horses all the way down to somebody who's an hourly wage selling programs or ushering people at the stand. So it's, it, it goes top to bottom, John.
1: It does. It does. Well, uh, Dave, you you are in a very uh, unique position because of where you are physically. Um, You you know, and you've had the same address for a while. I'm guessing you saved your money from the Meadowlands. And I've seen your address for quite a few years from those marvelous Christmas cards you send. (laughs) Now, you're, you're on a penthouse on 52nd Street. Just describe to people, if you go out for a breath of fresh air on your patio, what you're looking at tonight.
4: Well, my building sits in a kind of a valley here. So, I I see I see a wonderful views of New York City, and it was beautiful today. I was out there for a little while. Um the streets are empty though, John. It's a very con- crowded urban area, and it's very strange to see, you know, a daytime with no cars, no no cabs, people are not walking on the street. Once in a while, there'll be somebody going to the drugstore, the grocery store. So it's, it it's a uh, it's a little it's a little scary. But it was such a beautiful
1: day. You know, I'm I'm hoping there are more of these in the future. That's all. Yeah, you know, I I live across from a public golf course, and they've stopped. The golfers uh, as of Monday, uh, just because people got to care for the golf cards and they've got to have the clubhouse and, you know, people in a small area checking in, yeah. checking out. Uh, but it is amazing how the course has opened up to all these people uh, that are in, quote, you know, social isolation. The place is packed. People are playing with their kids and walking their dog and, you know, getting out in these big open areas. And luckily we had a beautiful day today, 68 degrees, you know, getting fresh air. So at least, you know, I'm a silver lining kind of guy. And it's kind of neat to see families and people I never saw enjoying Hills and Dales that don't have a club in their hand. And they were obviously staying at least six feet away
4: from somebody else that they're not quarantined with, right?
1: No, yeah, the kids are running around, and we had a big tree collapse. Everybody's taking pictures, posing on this, this humongous tree. And, you know, uh, they're just out there enjoying the fresh air, enjoying their families. And uh, you got to think, you know, life gives you lemons. Make lemonade, you know. Plus, all the fitness centers are closed. So mm-hmm. you've got all these people that are used to jogging, you know, in, indoors, and uh, now they're looking for an outlet, and uh, that's where they are.
4: And when they sit down on the couch, what better outlet than to punch up uh, Twinspires.com on their computer and watch a race and maybe play a few bucks through Twinspires or, you know, know, even a dollar or two. You can bet a dollar across the board on some horses. You can bet dollar exactors. You don't have to be a big player to enjoy a day at the races.
1: No. And to be honest with you, that's how I spent my entire Saturday afternoon because the, <laughs> fair, the, the fairgrounds had a great card. Well, before I, I, I let you go, I know you and Bill, you know, I, I know you're you have less and less content to talk about uh, on a daily basis. But um, have have you been looking over the Gulfstream card, the Florida Derby or, uh, or, oh, or yeah. the Oaks well, for this weekend? Well, and give me your um,
4: input. Yeah, well, we're, we're doing a, a, a show on this saturday i'm on the phone so i don't even have to leave uh... my apartment and uh... last week we did the louisiana derby <clears throat> and bill picked uh... uh wells by you as his best bet of the day uh... i don't remember who i picked but i know it wasn't a a big winner like that Now I see Wells Bayou's at the top of the list for uh, points, 104 points in the Kentucky Derby. So that was last week. This week, we're we're doing the uh, the, uh, Gulfstream races, including the 14th race, the Florida Derby. And I'll tell you, I I think it's a five-horse field. It's really going to be a dozen of them, but... I I mean, the three favorites, and Tis the Law has been handled perfectly by Barkley Tagg, who has that uh, Kentucky Derby win with the funny side under his belt. Manny Franco rides this horse, and, and, you know, the horse Tis the Law is going to be favored, but he's going to be too low, but he's, you know, got some competition with Independence Hall and Ete Indy, and I think those are the three horses that will get the most attention. But I like a couple long shots, too. I mean... Uh Governor Morris, by the way, named after a legislative guy in New York who brought racing back to um uh New York after uh the shutdown, um, way back in uh, you know, what was it, the eight the nineteen twenties or something like that? I and was also, wondering what that name was, Dave. Yeah, Governor yeah, the old time spelling, Governor Morris Governor Morris and then I, also Kelly Breen has a terrific horse named um uh, as seen on T V that Paco Lopez will ride. And I mean, this horse is a is a very big possibility. So I think it's a really good race. I, I don't know what I'm going to play. I'm going to watch the tote board. I think tis the law is going to be too low to to bet it unless you use it in some uh, gimmick play. So uh, you know, I think it's a fascinating card too. And the Appleton has always been one of my favorite races, which is the race by, right before that, a mile on the turf. And uh, you know, it's that, these are good contests, uh, John. I, we've got a
1: lot to watch and, and wager on Saturday, right? <laughs> we do, we do, and I'll be on Twin Spires, pressing the button. Uh, I came out just a few dollars ahead, but you know, there's just something about that juice, that action. Uh, knowing that you got a couple of bucks on, on that race, that it just makes your afternoon. It keeps it going, and you know, and when you have a winner, it makes you think you're smart. I thought I had the pick four solid with a twenty-one dollar horse on top. And and then finite doesn't oh. hit the board. <laughs> yeah, I, I couldn't. I w- I didn't bet that
4: that race because I thought that finite was a, a cinch, but she was so low, and um, the the, uh, the the horse, the South Horse, that actually won, I would have probably used it an exactor, but I would have lost that too. So, yeah, it's. It, it, it keeps your sanity. I, I, it really helped me get over Monday just having some plays and, believe it or not, Farner Park, so why not?
1: <laughs> Dave <laughs> Johnson, it has been an absolute pleasure. Let's not let any more years go by. Let's make it a couple months uh, so we can get back together. I love hearing your voice, and but people can hear your voice almost on a daily basis on Sirius. How do we get well, you there no, we, we don't can. have we're, a radio? We're only
4: on Saturdays, John. Uh, Bill Finlay and I do a three-hour show, 10 10 to 1 Eastern time, uh, 10 in the morning till 1 on Sirius XM radio. We're channel 211 on Dan Patrick Radio. Uh, there on channel 211, Sirius and XM, and we try and get people, you know, interested in what's going to go on later that day and that uh, and the
1: weekend. So tune us in if you have Sirius XM. Okay, well, Dan Patrick, a, uh, a great graduate of my University of Dayton, uh, who probably would have won the NCAAs. Uh, and both Obi Toppin and Coach Anthony Grant have been given the highest of uh, honors by everyone, but I digress, but any chance to plug the Flyers, I take it. Dave, one, one more thing. One more thing. He's probably on hold right now listening, so don't be inhibited. But what do you think about this up-and-coming announcer by the name of Pete Aiello?
4: You know, I met Pete when I was at the University of Arizona the last time that I was there, and uh, I, I met him. He was not a track. He wanted to be a track announcer, and I was so happy to see him go. He's got good verbiage. His margins are excellent, and uh, he, he gets into the races, and he doesn't make you know, a, a dull race sound like the Kentucky Derby or, or a big you know, nose finish. He's very accurate, and, and I've told him that by email. I think he's one of the bright, up-and-coming stars of the game. And I was always happy to see him. Uh, I was really happy to see him get the job at, uh, at Gulfstream Park, John.
1: Well, that's fantastic. We've been talking with Dave Johnson again on Saturdays. Listen to him and Bill Finley on Sirius Radio. And Saturday afternoon, folks, I'll be there in spirit with you, punching <laughs> the buttons on Twin Spires, betting the great uh, Gulfstream Park card we got. Thanks a million, Dave. My pleasure. Call anytime, John. I plan and I got your number now. You're in trouble. All right. <laughs> that was the legendary Dave Johnson. Uh, we're going to take a quick break and be back with the soon to be legendary Pete Aiello. You're listening to Winning Ponies.
2: The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com.
0: Wedding Ponies with John Englehart.
1: All right. And with me now, a a gentleman I've known since the University of Arizona and had the pleasure to work with for many years in Cincinnati before he uh, went on to the bigs, shall we say, uh, starting with uh, Hialeah and then uh, moving over uh, to, to Gulfstream Park, where he is right now. With no further ado, the man who just got a great review from the legendary Dave Johnson. It's Pete Iello. Pete, how are you doing? Excellent, after getting to hear what Dave Johnson had to
5: say about me. As far as I'm concerned, he's the, the greatest that's ever called a race, and for him to uh, say anything nice about me is like somebody saying that uh, you're a good lead singer and Mick Jagger's the one saying it.
1: <laughs> oh, that's great. That's great. So, Pete, you know, we all weather this storm in our own way just on a personal basis. How are you doing? Just happy to still be working. Happy to, uh,
5: you know, what's really been, what's really been gratifying is hearing from folks, uh, on social media, Facebook and Twitter, thanking me for bringing some sort of normalcy to their life. And, you know, that, that feels really good because, you know, you, that's definitely what we need right now. We definitely need outlets and try to, uh, take our mind off of, You know, the current situation, you know, for a lot of folks, it's an economic situation. For some folks, it's a health situation, and unfortunately for some others, it's both. So, um, you know, I'm happy to be their outlet, and uh, I'm just glad that they're enjoying uh, escaping with me, because I'm doing it right along with them.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, I found myself on Tuesday, like Dave Johnson, watching Will Rogers, Foner Park, And some track I can't pronounce, it was a Swedish harness track. (laughs) I mean, boy, when you want to see racing, you'll go anywhere but uh you know, you're just trying to get out of your system or just kind of moving over to the racing channel to see well what's on what are they talking about what's going on i mean uh, well you've got plenty to talk about i know a lot of times this time of year you're a hard guy to get a hold of because you're at some uh you know la da thing for uh, the florida derby but i assume there's no gatherings uh, currently uh revolving around events at the track at least in ohio we we're not supposed to have more than 50 people in a room yeah,
5: that uh, we have uh, we have just uh, got some more strict uh, strict rules put in, put in place down here. So uh, it's going to be strange. I mean, I, I told somebody the uh, earlier today who asked me. I actually think in a in a weird way it's going to help me because I mean you worked at a, you know the track a lot of years and you know you can't really expect the same routine on Cradle Day or Florida Derby Day or Pegasus Day as you can on a you know, a Thursday or a Wednesday afternoon just because there's a lot more people there, people want part of your time, and, and, you know, it's just a a completely different feeling. Well, this is going to be good for me because, you know, they're forcing everyone to be isolated and they're forcing, you know, the fans to have to join a simulcast, which we're so glad they're doing. But for me, nobody's going to be bothering me. So it's going to be a no-excuse situation. I will have no excuse of any kind not to deliver accurate fundraise calls on the weekend.
1: Yeah, you want to have some idiotic publicity guy bringing thirty-five Cub Scouts up to your booth? (laughs) Yeah, but you never did that on big days. I love those visits. I tell, I tell
5: every time somebody comes in with a group of five or six, and they said, "Oh, we're not going to bother you, are you?" I always tell them that story. I said, "No. I said I had summer campers hanging off my arm during a race one
1: time. You got nothing to worry about." (laughs) Yeah, they're blocking your view. They're up grabbing the microphone. (laughs) feet, I don't know if they unplugged any cords, but you you weathered through it well, Pete. I, I'll never forget that day. It was great. But the kids it's funny though. Have we, we'll have to we'll have to let the listeners
5: in on the fact that you're probably one of the only person people in the industry though that can say that they have they have uh, jostled me during a race call. I pride myself in not getting too jostled. But in my younger years, you, uh, you you made a point to try to figure out how you could get to me. And I don't know if you remember this, but when you brought a bachelorette party in, and there were 13 or 14 knockout good-looking girls all looking at what I was doing, I choked big time.
1: <laughs> well, you were the star of the show. It probably doesn't always happen when you were surrounded by 13 girls. Uh. <laughs> Oh, uh, you know, it, it it's just, it's really, I guess, you know, uh, you know, back in your old neighborhood, they've, they've, uh, they've, uh, you know, stopped the racing at Turfway and they've shuttered it. And, uh, from the people I've talked to say, uh, Churchill's doing a really good job about coming in and saving all the historic, you know, photos and memorabilia, uh, that they can, which, which I am so happy, uh, because, uh, Uh, You know, sometimes when somebody comes over or a new regime comes in, they just wipe out the history of a track in the past. I did everything in my life to save what I could from River Downs when a casino entity came in and said, John, you want anything in that room? You better bring it out in the next two days because we're tearing this joint down. You're not going to be allowed on the grounds. And I just made a hundred runs, you know, of any place I could go to put stuff because we, you know, if somebody doesn't care cuz not everything's digital now you know so you got to get those old racing forms and those old racing manuals and things like that that um, will just disappear and i uh, yeah, just i remember
5: i remember one not to cut you off but i remember when i was working at calder when they were getting ready to tear the building down that uh, we got we got a uh, my friend who was publicity director at the time he put a box aside for me, and then you know we would we would be working in there so anything that wasn't attached to the wall we were taken, whether we were supposed to or not because we didn't want it to go by the wayside
1: I know, and they don't care it's just it's going yeah. down w- w- with with the building and uh but uh i I digress here's what's important um I've been reading different things and you probably won't know till the f- gate opens on Saturday that uh, Broward County uh, sounds like they might not be happy about you guys racing, but you're not putting anybody in harm's way. And, uh, you know, the big story out about, hey, Javier Castellano, he was not racing at your track, and your track has done a great job of quarantining people coming in from other areas before they come on to Gulfstream Park. Um, but it, you're still going to have a great show. Your card's sensational.
5: Yeah, it really is, and the Florida Derby. I know Dave was mentioning that he thought it was a five-horse race. I, I tend to agree with him. I-, I wish there was only five in there, though, instead of having to memorize twelve. But uh, we'll do the best we can.
1: <laughs> oh, you got bigger fields. You got you know as many big fields, I should say, and also eligibles like in in the Appleton. Uh, it- it's it's pretty interesting well you know uh the the florida derby is just so steeped in in tradition and importance on the american landscape we know that the three-year-old season this year has kind of changed in schedule but it doesn't change in importance and uh this has always been a huge stepping stone for three-year-olds uh whether they show up on the first saturday or may and or or Go down the road now. You know again. You know people are going to say, "Hey, Engelhart, you're a master of the obvious." But I have been following, "Tis the Law," and the way Barkley Tag has handled this horse, and the fact that. Uh, I thought his race in the Kentucky Jockey Club might have been his best race. I mean, he got bottled up three, four times, had nowhere to go, and Manny Franco still just got beat by three-quarters of a length. Uh, he would have been undefeated. And uh, he's a gorgeous horse. And then he said, no, nah, we're not going to the Breeders' Cup. We're gonna. This is a horse that's hopefully going to develop into our derby horse, and he probably is, but I think it's going to be the Curlin' Florida Derby.
5: Well, you know, it'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, for me, the, the horses to beat obviously are Tis the Law and Ete Indian. And the one thing that they have in common is that both of them really got everything their own way in their local preps. Tis the Law being in the Holy Bull and Ete Indian and the Santa Youth. I don't think that either one of them are going to have things quite as easy as they did most recently when they ran. Now, that doesn't mean they're not good enough to overcome it. Quite the opposite. you It will prove what a good racehorse they are if they can overcome it. So, uh, Ette Indian is just marooned out wide at the 12-hole, but the problem for Law is is he's a horse that does have some tactical speed, and he's going to have some horses on his outside trying to get over. So, where he lands is going to be a very, very important part of the opening quarter
1: mile. Absolutely. And, you know, we we certainly, uh, on on one losing start, uh, can't dismiss Independence Hall. Uh, You know, in in the Sam Davis, uh, he got a little tired. Uh, Solo Volante had his best day ever that day. But, uh, you know, he, he certainly wanted to keep an eye on. He's never run at Gulfstream Park, though I see his most recent work was there. So, you know, so many people were as a two-year-old, thinking Independence Hall was uh, was the now horse. But again, here, here's a horse that's, you know, three for four with a second-place finish in his entire career. Uh, he could be any kind. Well, he's my pick in the
5: race, John, because he, he has already experienced what I think will happen to Tis the Law at the Indian in the sense that, Last time out was the first time he lost, but it was also the first time he didn't get the trip that he really wanted. They were going way too fast in the Sam Davis at Tampa last time out, and it was tough for anybody, not only Jose Ortiz, to figure out, All right, where, do I, where do I sit? Do I give five lengths? Do I give three lengths? Do, who's behind me that can run me down? I mean, it's just, tactically it takes your, your mind to a different place when they're going so fast in front of you. You're not worried about those horses in front of you. You just don't know how far back you want to be. So I think Independence Hall gets a pass for his last race, and I think Joel Rosario is going to have to work out a trip for him on Saturday as well. But at least he's kind of experienced not having things his own way.
1: Well, uh, the, uh, again, uh, Ette India was so impressive in the Fountain of Youth, and you called that race. Well, what's your read on him? Because uh, he, he's been sensational as a three-year-old. Well, two things about him, and I'm not, and I'm not speaking ill of him. It's just that they're just reality. The, the racetrack
5: on Fountain of Youth Day was very, very fast. It was very conducive to speed, and he got a very easy lead. Yes, he was drawn out wide, but Florent Giroux got over no problem. And once he got over, it was kind of like Gunrunner in the Pegasus. Once he got over and got the spot he wanted, it was just six furlongs of of cruising speed after that. And I just don't foresee that same trip for him in the in the uh, Florida Derby, and of course. He was uh, softened up in the early stages of the Holy Bull and then Tis the Law ran by him. So of the two favorites, if you ask me to pick between Ete Indian and Tis the Law, I'm gonna take Tis the Law because I think he will be better second starter in the form cycle and I also think that Ete Indian out of the twelve hole is a very tough ask because there is a lot of speed to his inside. Well
1: uh Pete, you know, you're right there. You've seen these horses race. So, I, you know, I, I want to get your input, of course. We're talking about Derby and Oaks points. Uh, so, uh, <clears throat> let's go on to the Oaks. And let's, fav- let's face it, uh, there's an obvious horse to beat in here and uh, has proven it on the track. Lo- and we're talking about tonalist shape. Absolutely loves Gulfstream Park hasn't been beaten there yet is four for four and, uh, has come to win every single race as, as it has been. I mean, uh, I, I do know that the, you know, it's a, you know, not a short field, of course, the main competition should come from the horse that was favored in their last race, um, Spice is nice, probably got a lot out of that race, and the fact that it was that Philly's only three or only, um, I should say, uh, you know, start, uh, only a second start in its career, but uh, toneless shape spanked him through the stretch or spanked her through the stretch. Uh, what would what, what, what you read on, on the Oaks?
5: Uh, well, it's interesting because Total of Shape had every right to get beat by Spice's Nice last time out because she did all the heavy lifting on the top end, but I think when it came to crunch time, it was seasoning. And certainly, that's what I said when I did the voiceover for the replay show. Seasoning was the reason why Total of Shape beat Spice is Nice. No pun intended there, by the way, but the key is, is what you already touched on. I think Spice is Nice is better for that effort, and I think she's going to make things very, very close on Total of Shape on Saturday. However, this is a show about betting and the show about making a score at a big number. And I don't know that she's good enough to win the race, but if I didn't go on this, uh, on this program and tell you I thought Dream Marie had a shot to light the board at a big number, I would be kind of misleading because this filly has really come to hand for low-profile connections, and she has run spectacularly in all of her last four races, including a third-place run last time behind the two heavy-hitting horses in total shape and spices, nice. And I'm glad to see that these low-profile connections are not changing the status quo. As you know, you know so many times a horse will get good and then they'll switch riders or or do something that they haven't done before. But Mitchell sticks, and I'm happy to see that. Mitchell works awfully hard, uh, and Matt Williams is a young up-and-coming guy as well. So I think that this filly, if if they go quick, she's going to be charging when it matters, and she doesn't know that she theoretically is outclassed.
1: Uh, Now that I'm looking at the PPs, you're giving me uh, reason to to keep her on my ticket. Well, um, the uh – the race that had kind of intrigued me, Pete, was the Kitten Joy Pan America, and I, I like a couple of horses with Kitten's Joy in their in their pedigree. Certainly, uh, uh, you know, Channel Cat and Spooky Channel. Without a doubt, you've called the last couple starts uh, for Zulu elfer actually, you've called five of her starts. Four of those were wins. Without a doubt, the horse to beat. So anytime. All right, Zulu Alpha, Mike Wofford, odds on. The thing is, when I looked at this race, Pete, almost all these horses are closers. But when I go back and look at Channel Cat, throw out that last race when he was bumped at the start, uh, and this horse has shown ability in its past performances, like when it went wire-to-wire wire in the Bowling Green, that I just wonder if Joel Rosario is going to get instructions. Look, you got the rail. You're the only horse with speed in here. Uh, go pull off a Wells Bayou. Yeah, and I
5: think that's a possibility. I mean, listen, the Zulu Alpha is definitely the horse to beat in the race. And something that he did that I was just so impressed with last time out was when if you if you went back and watched his Pegasus Turf, he got the triple the lifetime from Tyler Gaffney, he saved every inch of ground, cut the corner off the turn, and rolled at the fence. Last time out of the McDermott, Tyler did the complete opposite. He said the heck with trying to find room, and he swept out wide and gave everybody in that race a shot And just in the sense that he was giving up so much ground off the corner. So Zulu Alpha is not a one-trick pony, but to your point, he is a one-trick pony when it comes to the fact that he makes one run. So the best way to beat a horse is to get ahead of him, so I don't begrudge you at all for Channel Cat.
1: Well, Pete, thank you very much. I would not be able to sleep tonight if I thought you begrudged me, so... Uh, uh, well, I, I wish you the best. We'll, we'll have to ferret out the Appleton on our own because my producers tell me I'm, I'm under a minute. But as always, it is great to hear your voice. And it was great. A totally Uncharted, where I sprung that on Dave Johnson about you. And I was so happy to feel that uh, you know he, he feels you're one of the up-and-coming young men and remembers you back from the U of A.
5: I'm indebted to him for taking the opportunity to listen to me, and I certainly hope everyone enjoys listening on Saturday.
1: Well, you know I will be, Pete. You know, I usually try to fire you a text or an email uh, telling you how much I enjoyed your call on certain races. So thanks a million for being with us tonight, and uh, I'll be listening. Sounds great. Good luck everybody. All right. Well, good luck from Pete Aiello. Thanks so much to Dave Johnson. Uh, I'm John Engelhart. We still got racing in the United States, so if you want to pull down some winners, go to winningponies.com. I want to thank my producer, Josh. I'm not going to go late on him tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Remember, when you go to the races, bet with your head, not over it.
0: Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Englehart.